if I share my vulnerability with you and I back it by genuinely caring and I back it by just consistently delivering on my personal brand promise, which is you can trust me, I trust you, I want to empower you, I, I want to help you achieve what you want, let's, let's do this together. That's been my secret sauce, man. Welcome back or welcome to the Finding Mastery Podcast. I'm Michael Gervais and by trade and training, I'm a sport and performance psychologist licensed in California, spending time in the trenches with people that are extraordinary at what they do, working on developing the mental skills so that they can pivot and adjust and pursue their potential. And the idea behind these conversations is to pull back the curtain to speak with best in the world, people that are on the path of mastery, to better understand what they're searching for, what they're driven by. We want to understand their psychological framework and the mental skills that they use to build and refine their craft. This week's podcast is with Chris Ashenden, the co-founder of Athletic Greens. With complete transparency, Athletic Greens is a partner on this podcast, but I wouldn't be comfortable having Chris on unless I fully believed in their product and their mission. And this conversation is a reflection of that. Okay. You know, I love the product. You know how much I enjoy the product as I talk about it in the ad reads, which don't feel like ad reads. They feel like celebrations of a great product that I use and enjoy. And I'd have Chris on anyway, because I want to understand how it is that he's built a model that does good for other people. It's built on, on wellness and health and has incredible scale on it. So I'm interested in that. So from a business lens and a business skill, and the, just the fact that it is a product that I enjoy, this is like a double whammy for sure. So I've been using whole food supplements for a long time, maybe somewhere around 20 years. And I became exposed to Athletic Greens and I liked it. And I happened to be down in Australia where the CEO of the company is. And we had a lunch and I love their mission. I loved how we articulated it, the way that they're building their business, the intensity around getting the formulation to taste right, to have a digestive, you know, um, process that works. And, and I just, I, I, I was like, you guys are on it. And so we kicked off a nice little relationship that way. Then I met Chris as well. We started to work together and that basically led us to this conversation. We touch on Chris's upbringing and how his experiences traveling around the world with his family shaped him. And it is awesome what they did. And ultimately, how that was the impetus for the creation of Athletic Greens. There were times where Chris was close to broke, living on a diet of rice and beans just to get by. But Chris stayed the course. And he believed in his mission and his vision and to do it the right way with the highest ethics. And it's rad. It's just flat out rad. It's exactly what you'd hope. And we worked to unpack how. How did he do that? What were the skills that he used? What were the strategies that he employed to stay the course even when he was completely broke? And you know, he refused to alter the quality of the product to stay mission-minded. And a lot of people were telling him as it comes out in this conversation, like just downgrade the quality and sell it for a cheaper price. And he said, no, that's not how it's going to work. And I've got incredible respect for that. I, that's exactly how integrity works and high character works. And when you build that around a product that you believe in, I want to say good things happen. Not always, though, because there are other things that take place that expose you know, businesses and practices and that are unforeseen even. But this is a celebration of a product that I love as well as a person that I think is incredible in how they've approached life. So I hope this conversation inspires you and that it is possible to do things the right way and live with integrity in all the right ways. And, and you know, 
I don't know. I love the idea when business and mission and uh, wellness and potential, when they all hub together and we're able to create communities and products and services that, you know, are, are working to make, I don't know, it sounds cheesy, but make the world better, you know, and like, that's really kind of it. And one last thing, support Athletic Greens and their mission while you're at it. <laughs> Go over to athleticgreens.com forward slash finding mastery and check out the offer that they put together for us and our community. And with that, let's get right into this week's conversation with Chris. Chris, how are you? Michael, I am fantastic. Thank you. How are you? That's what's up. So first and foremost, thank you for helping support Founding Mastery and with your company and your vision and what you've done with through Athletic Greens. Uh, this is a, a treat for me to be able to sit down with you and have this conversation. Michael, the treat is mine. Good, sir. Thank you for your support of us and our brand and our vision and just for being an awesome dude. I've had the pleasure of chatting to you previously and I loved every minute and I'm very excited to be here, man, and honored. Perfect. So let's let's start early. So you've created this brand that and, – and you've had a couple um, entrepreneur efforts. Is that right? I've had a few – entrepreneurial efforts, most of which ended up uh, failing spectacularly. <laughs> okay, so how many did you get to before Athletic Greens um, was quote-unquote a success? And we'll get to that more in that in a minute. I, I had two successful businesses that both crashed for different reasons. And then sort of coming out of that hole was sort of part of the process that ultimately led to the creation of Athletic Greens as a product and a company. So third, third real go at building a, a business to last. And do you, when you think about your craft, is it nootropics? Is it building scalable businesses? Is it, you know, uh, health and fitness industry like-minded um, uh, ventures? Like what, when you consider your craft, what is it? I think my craft is quite similar to yours, big guy, in that I see myself as really, really good at making friends. <laughs> and uh, I think you're absolutely world-class at, at making friends. And and, and I'm being I'm being dead serious. So I think my, my real craft is in making friends. And as part of that, I have a, a huge amount of pleasure in both um, sharing joy or inspiration or or company with other other people, particularly people I find stimulating. And I think my real craft has been leadership in an entrepreneurial setting through that desire to to sort of share, help, um, you know, inspire grow with and enjoy a process with other people. If I look at where I've stumbled, it's where I tried to do things that weren't playing to my strengths, but my strengths are definitely in that uh, human to human relationship setting. Yeah. So building relationships to build community and along the way you're bringing products and services that can hopefully it's not, I mean, if I'm, if I'm um, right on the money with you here, tell me if I'm not, is that building products and services that help people grow and change because that's part of your it sounds like that's part of your deal is like being in relationships where they're growing and you're growing at the same kind of clip hopefully absolutely i think that yeah absolutely man and obviously through both necessity necessity and passion i i was part of a team that built what i consider a a world-class sort of world beater uh, product and but if I sort of said, what is my superpower? It wasn't in that product creation. I leveraged very heavily the expertise of people far, far smarter than I am in, in that field. I was the entrepreneur that put it together. But, I, if I, yeah. but if I look at sort of what is my real craft, and I've thought about this for a while, my, my real craft is that human relationship 
element and inspiring them to step forward and take action towards either their own personal goals or towards the group's goals. Okay. So let's go back. The accent that you're bearing from New Zealand, <laughs> right? What part of the island were you from? Mate, I was born in Wellington, but grew up most of my time in New Zealand was in Auckland. I also had a seven-year stint as a kid in Tokyo, Japan, and a year backpacking as a 11 and 12-year-old with my with my family. Okay, so when when was Japan? Was that in between backpacking or? Ah, uh, yeah. Well, so we we my father got a gig in Japan and dragged us all with him, and it was a heck of an experience because we realized very quickly coming from little old New Zealand to big Tokyo that you are a global citizen. And that theory was reinforced when we finished school sort of in Japan in end of May, June, and traveled until end of January, uh, backpacking 44 countries with my with my sort of my dad's big backpack, my mum's medium backpack, and then my big sister's smaller, and then mine's smaller, and my little sister who was eight, like tiny little backpack, uh, staying in hostels in third world countries. It was a very, very abject lesson in one, how fortunate we were, and two, that we're part of this uh, very much global community. Okay. <laughs> I can't, I, can't e I, I had no idea about this part of your journey. I can't even imagine. Well, I guess I can. I mean, I've, I've been fortunate enough to do some backpacking myself, and like I, I, I understand what, a little bit of what goes into it, but not 14, 15 months. So what, what did you... What was that like? Is there a particular story or memory that comes to mind when you think about the essence of backpacking with your family? Uh, just watching my family meld it was a huge element because my father, who's a very loving, generous, caring father, was also a very hardworking, a lot of hours in the office father. And he loved his time with his family, but it typically, you know, 24 7 stints had been three, four weeks long. And this was well over six months, 24 seven day in, day out. So it was just that changing dynamic of a family sort of learning to grow and be uncomfortable together was was amazing. And my two sisters are absolutely two of my best friends in the world. And my parents are two of my best friends in the world. And I travel, I try to travel with them a minimum of two, uh, five or six week trips a year now. And they sometimes sort of point out like, well, you know, aren't they fortunate to have a son who wants to do this? And my <laughs> My sort of counter argument to them is aren't I fortunate to have parents that I'm delighted to travel with? And that coming together of a family while exposed to all these interesting experiences was was huge. And the second thing that was huge was I caught hepatitis somewhere in either Turkey or Egypt and spent the last three months vomiting uh, mainly in third world toilets through uh, a lot, a lot of India, and it wasn't very pleasant. But that mm. that was my that was my first big health challenge. And how old were you? Twelve. Oh my god. Okay, so 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 okay. Before we get into that, like it makes perfect sense why you're relationship based. Why relationships are so important to you because the five of you guys were connected. It was relationship based for those months in a very rugged way, you know, where you guys were just relying on each other literally to go from country to country and navigate and figure it out. And so you saw problem solving, you saw going with the flow, you saw that you had to um, be part of something rather than be the anchor. And so I'm imagining that that was foundational for you to be or to set up your crown jewel. That being said, how did you get sick? And what'd you learn from it? Uh, to something I ate, I think I was, I'm the least robust of my family by quite a long way. And something I ate 
just hit the GI and uh, that was literally the end of that. I also had you know, Jardia a little bit later and I think that the com combination of those two things w were the very first sort of GI gastrointestinal sort of problem that would later manifest itself in, in other areas. But absolutely with the family traveling man and being being forced into other cultures with parents who demanded that we were open-minded and we saw them embracing those cultures and making friends worldwide. And I think the ability to make friends and generally connect with a human being, particularly to make another human being feel that you genuinely care and the secret to do that is to genuinely care then it, it, I think that's one of the greatest skills in the world. And my, no, dude, it's, it's so, that's so clear though. When you say it, it's like so clear. Yeah, but I think you do this as well. I think that's why you're so good at your job is because someone sits down next to you or in front of you or on a phone call with you. Very quickly, you've built rapport. They know that you are genuinely interested and really strongly care about their well-being and you're phenomenally relaxed. So very quickly, I, I, this is what happened when I was on a phone call with you, so speaking from my own personal experience, oh, cool. I promptly felt relaxed and found myself telling you all sorts of things I didn't expect to be saying. And you combine that with a pretty serious intellect and, and your training, and I can see why you're top of class, man, at, at what you do. It made absolute sense after about 15 minutes going, why am I telling this guy this stuff? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that's all cool. Now I'm starting to wonder, oh, you're about compliments. You give compliments to people so they go, God, Chris is so good. He's such a great guy. But that's not I quite get... it because the, the things you just said, this is going to sound awful. The things you just said are actually the things I pay attention to in my cultivating my own life. Right. So like either you have a wonderful sense of flattery and or a, a, a keen sense of like the essence of what people are about. And it's probably the combination of the two that makes it um, palatable. Right. Because sometimes people give you compliments like, no, nope, ulterior motive. No, I don't. I'm not a fan of the false compliments. I think you can always find something to give someone a compliment about. But my theory on compliments, uh, a woman on a wedding day, no matter how bad her makeup she looks amazing. You have to tell her. And anything my anything my grandma ever put on ever, she looked amazing. And I think those two weren't false compliments, but sometimes I was like, what? A, you go to some weddings, man, and you're like, what were you thinking? But they always do look glowing and amazing on the day, and it's very easy to say that. But in your case, big guy, your craft, I believe, is the merging of those three elements. And I, I pay attention, big guy, when, when you talk and when other people I admire talk. And I'm not uh, – flattery, you know, as they say, will get you everywhere. But that wasn't the idea, man. I was trying to just point out that I see in you some elements that I've tried to become good at. And, and I respect that very much because I can see that you are absolutely a master of some of those things. Brilliant. So what's happening right now for us? Thank you, Chris. Thank you for all of that, the, the awareness and the keen – ability to articulate what is special in somebody else therein lies why you're able to lead men and women right because it sounds like to me and it feels like in this conversation right now that you're able to find assets you're able to find what's good what people are working toward and the skills that they have notice them recognize them and then amplify i'm guessing amplify them through your working relationships uh, yeah man i think the way i quantify it is is if I can help someone identify a far more empowering question and the desire, the why behind achieving something that sort of is, they feel either is within their reach or just outside their reach and a willingness to step outside it, then 
if you combine those two together, you're off to the races. Okay, I love that. So how do you get people to, not get people, how do you encourage or create an environment for people? Oh, no, no, I want to go three ways. Encourage, create an environment, and develop the mental skill for people to step outside of that comfort, to step outside of what the known world is to them to take the adventure uh, that you're that you're hoping to shape with them. How do you do that? I mean, I think the, the absolute first thing is is they must feel that they're in an environment where they're being empowered and supported, and that is both my actions, my words, and my track record. If they come and join a team where people say, "Yeah, Chris has got your back." And he will help you grow and develop in any way that he can. And I, I live that mantra. Then, and I do, even if someone wants to leave and take off and do their own thing, I, I am always encouraging because it just feels like the right thing to do. If I was sitting in that chair, that is exactly what I would have wanted one of my early bosses to have been like. And and I try to foster that dynamic. And from there, it is, it is and I think you do that with your rapport building, big guy, and your, your quiet, calm sort of, good-natured confidence and I think from there it's just asking the right questions yeah and okay and listening listening to the answers so back to that genuine interest in another person's well-being asking questions that are open-ended exploratory maybe probing and um, sometimes intimidating and scary because deep questions can be awfully intimidating and so it be just because it's the what's at stake is the potential rejection from another person and what I, my experience has been when you ask a rich tonal question and somebody, their eyes light up or their physiology changes, you know that they're right into the good stuff, but they're just struggling to be able to say the thing that's real for them. Because oftentimes, tell me, this is at least for me, oftentimes it's like, what will they think if I speak my truth and they don't like my truth and their, their favor on me is important for my job or, or fill in the blanks? And has that been any part of your life experience to feel that same thing or is that not part of your life experience that you, you you've you've decoupled who you are from what other people think you are long ago i don't wow it's a great question I, I think if you can provide like again that environment so if they feel that environment is encouraging them to be to be honest and if you're the boss or you're the founder of a business or you're the ceo then anyone beneath you at all times knows that they're speaking to the boss, the founder, or, or the CEO. And I think that has to be taken with a grain of salt because no one's going to say, you know what, you're a complete dork. This idea is completely stupid, and I don't even know why you tried it for two years or three years, even if that's what they're thinking. But what I encourage them to say is, I notice that we're doing this. I, I wonder why, and I would love us to pursue this other element because it seems to be more intelligent to me because, and I have that environment hands down, and I'm no longer the, the CEO, as you're aware. I've appointed someone who's far more capable than I am at that at that role. And he has gone on, built on that culture of transparency and trust and trying to speak your mind from both the happy side and the unhappy side. Because ours is a virtual business and it became abundantly, like rapidly so clear that if we didn't really push for transparency and a willingness to point out when someone is unhappy with something, then it very quickly festers and leads to discontent or great people leaving or the famous intercompany communication problems. But providing that environment first and then genuinely caring and listen to the answers second. And I think most people will tell you what they want and what's making them happy and what's making them unhappy 
very, very quickly if they, if they trust you not to burn the bridge. How do you build trust? Uh, well, I, mean, I think it just comes from a couple of things. One is you must live what you, what you say you're going to do. So I learned this principle of integrity from my father, who was my first real mentor, incredibly strong, masculine father figure. And it was awesome and still is. And his whole entire life has been do what you say you're going to do and live what you say is important. And he's done that in front of me. And I think I've just emulated that from my father with my mother, who is the world's best rapport builder. And I'd, you're one of the few guys I'd love to see go head to head because I think, you know, <laughs> there aren't too many of you out there. And I mean, to give you an idea, like I, I moved into a building. It took me three months to have all the you know, the security guards, everyone else high-fiving me and asking me, how you doing, Chris? Everything's great. My mother was there for 24 hours. And for two years afterwards, the first questions they would ask me every day is, how is your mother? What is your mother up to? And I think that the combination of and – and she does it, man, by genuinely caring. And she can express that genuine care for another human it, so, so quickly, so rapidly, so genuinely – that people feel it and just just respond to her in a way that's you kind of have to see it to to really really believe it and you combine those two which i think is just do what you say you're going to do live that mantra uh consistently because i think you can spend an entire lifetime building up trustworthiness and lose it in a fraction of a second and there's only one time i've lost my temper in the entire time i've been in business and i regret it profoundly and the person i lost my temper to is still a friend and we kind of laugh about it, but it was a deep regret. But other than that, I will do everything not to burn that trust bridge because I think it's, it's sort of it's the cornerstone of how our entire organization operates. Finding Mastery is brought to you by Bubs Naturals. Like you, I am mindful about what I put into my body. So for me, it usually comes down to ingredients and simplicity. The shorter the list, the better. And that's why I've been loving Bubs Naturals. Bubs creates products with high-quality, all-natural ingredients that are designed to help us get after the adventures in life. For years, I've been a huge fan of their Hydrate or Die electrolyte mix. I mean, that's a fun title for a product, isn't it? It only has six total ingredients. It's packed with electrolytes. I love the taste. No added sugar, no artificial flavors, none of that stuff. It's great post-workout recovery. That's when I use it. And I also use it during long periods of travel, which I've been doing a lot lately. And so thank you for the hydration here. And a ton of athletes that I know swear by them too. They're currently in just about every MLB locker room. They work closely with the Red Sox, the Yankees, I know the Rangers, Cardinals, Diamondbacks, and, and many more, of course. I'd love for you to go check them out. I think they're doing a really nice job. Just head to bubsnaturals.com slash finding mastery and enter the code finding mastery at checkout for 20% off your first purchase. Again, that's bubs naturals, B U B S naturals.com slash finding mastery with a code finding mastery for 20% off your first purchase. Finding mastery is brought to you by hymns. Hymns is changing men's healthcare by providing simple and convenient access to science-informed treatments for erectile dysfunction, ED, hair loss, weight loss, and more. Health struggles like ED are common, but they can be hard to talk about when it comes to finding a solution. 
That's why Hims has been a game changer for so many men. The entire process is 100% online, and if prescribed, your medication ships directly to you for free and in discreet packaging. No waiting rooms, no pharmacy visits. Plus, you can manage your plan directly on the Hims app, track progress, and learn more about your conditions and how to treat them from leading medical experts. So if you or a loved one has been struggling with ED, I really want to encourage you to go check out Hims. And I know ED often has a psychological component as well. So be sure that you're stacking some psychological best practices into your daily routine as well. Start your free online visit today at hymns.com slash finding mastery. That's hymns, H-I-M-S dot com slash finding mastery for your personalized treatment options. Hymns.com slash finding mastery. Prescriptions require an online consultation with a healthcare provider who will determine if appropriate. Restrictions apply. See hymns.com slash EOF for details and important safety information. Subscription required. Price varies based on product and subscription plan. So, you know, I, I'm listening. I'm going, it's so rich. And it makes sense why your company feels, I didn't know all of this, but or even a fraction of it when we first met. I liked your product. And I liked what how Adam designed his conversations and his words. And, I, you know, Adam is as the CEO that you've uh, put in place there. And I just liked it. But now hearing this and the fidelity that you come, that you bring with you and the integrity to line up your thoughts, your words, and your actions. For me, the lining the thoughts, words, and actions is the mark of somebody who is incredibly on it and can do incredible things because they have that, that rich alignment. And that's in essence where uh, wisdom is explored and uh, the adventure of wisdom is, is revealed. And inside of that, you have done something extraordinary, which is you have trusted people by being trustworthy. Okay, easy statement to say. But when you talk about it, it sounds like it's really real. And I've got this thought, and I'd love to hear you bounce off of it because you've thought about trust a lot and put action toward it. This is not scientific. It's just something that makes deep sense to me. Is that is there a formula for trust? And I say there's two variables, time multiplied by behavior. So you have to put in the work. You have to do some time with somebody. And you can have self-trust and other trust, right? So you've got to put in time with yourself or others. And then the behaviors have to be consistent across variables. So they have to be trustworthy behaviors in calm environments, rugged and hostile environments, potentially. And if you can get those two things for um, uh, a long period of time, like it's really good. And so I'd love if you could just bounce off of that theory, time multiplied by behavior equals trust. Ooh, mate, one great theory. But firstly, thank you for the compliments on both the product and Adam. I'm very proud of the product we've created, 50 iterations, and Adam and the cult and like having someone of that caliber run our business and, and what he's built on and how he's managed to and sort of interchange with someone of your caliber. Uh, and I see I see you in a very Thanks, <laughs> I admire mate. you greatly. I oh, admire you greatly, you. big guy. Oh, yeah. thank you. And so I'm proud of him in, in a huge way. And I think your little formula you know, expressed in one sentence is <laughs> somehow when you say it, it doesn't sound demeaning, but it's starting to go that way. <laughs> no, no, no. I think your little formula, which just sounds so easy to say in one sentence yeah. is the crux of it all. Okay. And on the money and unbelievably hard to deliver on if you don't believe in it. And yeah. I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I think the crux of it is little formula must believe in it and then live it. 
and the little formula becomes something huge. Yeah. I, I, okay, cool. I thought you were taking me down a road. No, no, nah, no, nah, no, no, not, it's not at all. much bigger than that. Yeah. Wait, which yeah. I, I, I want to hear. <laughs> right? I, I want to no, hear no, that. Because it's very easy to say, oh, you just phenomenally build trust in the workplace by by your personal behavior multiplied by many, 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 many repetitions and, and reinforcement. And that's great. But what drives that is the context that you're, you're living by. Like what what are you trying to build? What really matters to you? And are you living that? Because I think people go through, will very quickly see through anything that isn't really genuine. So I think that, like I said, I'm not 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 demeaning at all, big guy. No, 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 no. I, I yeah. a thousand percent appreciate yeah. the tone and texture of what you just added, yeah. like that authenticity, integrity. Authenticity. So basically, one sentence easy to say. If you don't believe in it deeply. It's not going to come out for you. And I've heard a lot of your interviews, man, with some pretty amazing coaches in particular. And I, I think the level of trust that they instill in, in their team environments is, is huge because I, th- I think that's sort of the cornerstone of, of human, many parts of human uh, interconnectivity is basically how much do I trust what this person says to me is real and how much do I feel that they care and they're going to support me if I fall on my ass. You know, Chris, I've, so I've asked that question to thousands. Like in the last two years, we've been in front of in uh, corporate environments, over 30,000 people at eight hours a clip. It's been this amazing little business that um, Coach Carol and I put together. But I've asked this question um, to thousands and thousands of people. What, what is your level of trust of yourself versus level of trust of others? And so we have a conversation about that. And usually people score much higher their trust of self versus trust of others. And one of those reasons is because trust of others was built. This is a hypothesis. Trust of others was built between the ages of zero and two. If we follow good child developmental psychology, Eric Erickson there, zero to two before we could speak. So trust of others happens pre-verbally. And who, how do we sort that out? Well, did you know? Did we get our needs taken care of in, a, in an exceptional way before we could even speak? That's how we begin to build the trust model. So it is complicated because it's hard to even put words why we don't trust somebody, or why we're we're hesitant or hold back, or why we're so giving and trustworthy and sometimes get burned by it. And and then there's one more piece that I think is really interesting, Chris, is that that f- what people do when we ask them about the people that they've trusted the most in their life that have helped them become the very best of themselves is they have one single characteristic that threads through all those conversations. I I bet you can guess what it is, but I'll I'll jump to the punchline is that the mentor or coach or that the other person, the person that felt better about themselves had the sense that that other person really cared about them back to point number one for you is that when others, when you feel that others really care for you, you'll do so much, you'll go so much further. And so that was, uh, I think, at least three cool little insights around trust that I've learned over the last 18 months. Mate, the, it's, it's a great, I really dig it. I also, I think the, I think the mix though, man, is, is the trust plus the genuine care. And I think where I genuinely care, you genuinely care, my mother genuinely cares, Coaches in that team environment, when they genuinely care, even if they're very hard taskmasters and demand a, a phenomenal standard from from their team members, I think the genuine care and just the reflection of that in, in, in everything that they do over time 
I think people people thrive in that environment where they feel that someone else really, really wants them to succeed and not just wants them, but deeply believes that they're capable of making that jump up. So yes. I think it's very smart, smart insight, man. Yeah. So you're, you're definitely asset based. Like you're going to find the assets in people, build a safe environment, amplify those assets and, and strengths in people, and then see work, uh, see how far you can take the vision that you've done that lonely work, that alone based work to, to set for the, uh, as an entrepreneur would to set for the team. And, and, and then I want to pull on this thread just a little bit further about mom. What is mom's name? Fiona. Fiona. So where did Fiona, where did your mom learn the skills of relationship? How did she become good at that? And did you ever notice that that became a double-edged sword where it became a challenge for her in a, in a negative way? I've never seen the double-edged sword. I, I have seen her defend people just from her nature as caring and giving. And so it's quite amusing. I've, I've never seen my mother speak badly of anyone. Her, her bad thing is, oh, I don't know if I really want to spend all that much more time with that person. It's probably about as, about as nasty as things get, but <laughs> she's <laughs> so nasty, awesome, man. Yes. Yeah, pretty nasty. But uh, I think it was her – and my, my parents, by the way, I've, I've been very, very fortunate to have both my mother's parents and my parents be great examples of a strong masculine, strong feminine, functional relationship. And – I think my mother got the the phenomenal caring elements and, and from her mother and has just always thrived off human interaction. And I think if you genuinely care and it stimulates you, you keep doing it. It's a, it's a warm fuzzy. And hmm. I think that pursuit of warm fuzzies, uh, you don't have to pursue it very much. If it's just part of who you are and it just keeps ticking along, then it'll, it'll serve you for your whole life, particularly when what – lights you up in my mother's case and also my case is the feeling that you've you've touched someone else and made their day mm, okay so you're you're challenging and i love it you're challenging a theory that i have about people that are world-class exceptional at what they do and that oftentimes it's born out of some sort of neuroticism some sort of internal stirring that takes place that breeds just the right amount of anxiousness ocd perfectionist and none of those things are healthy right? Not, not one of them are healthy, but if you can think about the inner drive that people come from to do extraordinary things, it is different, fundamentally different than most. And that's why they go the distance. And okay, so you're challenging that for me right now, which I, now I'm feeling really alive from a different angle because it's like, okay, all right, good. So give me some evidence that you're not neurotic. And is, is, is that the case? Or are you saying, nah, damn it, Mike, I'm neurotic too. <laughs> like there's something screwy about why I'm trying to save the world through nutrition. I, I agree with you on the, on the premise that the majority of people who step outside, infinitely outside what most people would consider comfort zones and achieve exceptional things tend to be some degree of special. And that special could be uh, some neurotic element or some deep dissatisfaction element or some phenomenal drive. And I, I, I agree when I've done, we can come into sort of the whole mastery element later, but I think in this instance, someone has done something exceptional without that, but, but hasn't necessarily stepped out of their comfort zone to do it. So I've built, I believe a great 
business around a product that solved a huge problem for me and helped other people. And I was very dissatisfied with many elements of my life. And those were the kickstarters that ultimately drove me to get out of the comfort zone to build a business to a, a very successful business and solve my problem, build the business, suffer for certain parts of it horribly. But if I actually look back at where I really excelled in this entire process, it was playing to my strengths, which are almost innate, but not really innate. Like I think I've always been a friendly, bubbly kid and I've always loved people, but I've worked on the communication and the listening and the thinking uh, elements to deliver a, a great result. My mother's case, she's not out of her comfort zone talking to a complete stranger and trying to help them out. She loves that. I mean, it lights her up and it lights me up too. So if you want to get into the, the mastery element, I mean, I, I have a couple of different definitions of, of mastery and they range uh, sort of all over the place. But I mean, one of them I think is the ability without conscious thought to execute at an extremely high level. And when you first sort of ping me the email, say, I'm going to ask you, what is like, what does mastery mean to you? That was the first thing that popped into my head. And that could mean, so I've done a little bit of rally car driving. That could mean I'm not considering anymore how to execute this turn, that turn, anything else. I've gotten to the point that I can now drive this car largely by feel. And my, it leaves my brain free to think on strategy or outcome, which is far, far easier in terms of if you want to drive two or three corners ahead with your co-pilot telling you where you're going and you're going at sort of that 95% of sort of max threshold, then this is much better than trying to figure out how to actually make each corner because you'll go off the road really quickly. So I think that's one element of, of the mastery. And I'm not, I think it, but I have to be very careful in that I agree with you about the people who truly do dynamically things outside the realm of comfort for most people. Um, I think they are driven by something. Uh, insecurity, fear, uh, dissatisfaction, something else that r really pushes them through what most people would sort of stop at the hurdle. But I think in the case of my mother interfacing with other people or myself interfacing with other people or you interfacing with, with any one of the people you've ever worked with is you generally care and I think you really enjoy the experience of that interaction. Yeah, like here's the evidence of it is that, and sometimes I think maybe it's this, a selfishness, but I don't feel alive if I'm not in it. And one of the ways to be in it is like to really be curious and be engaged and like really trying to understand the complicated aspects of being a human. So if I can come from that place, I think it feels like, okay, the two of us need each other, right? I don't want to be selfish in that in any way, but sometimes it feels that way. Like I, I can't just stare at my navel and try to figure things out. Like I get too bored. I'm too simple. And so like these, these wonderful engagements and one of my early mentors, what's up, Gary? He says to me, everything that you need in your life will be in this chair across from you and already within you. I'm like, oh, that's so that good. Is, that is so good. And that's so good. Okay. So, all right. No one's described mastery that way. Um, so I, I can't wait to like go back and take some deeper notes on, on how you articulate that. And you know, I, I've got this thread behind our conversation right now, which is, okay, I get why Mike and Chris are having this really easy conversation because, you know, there's a monetary economic thing that's happening in the, in the background, Athletic Greens, Chris founded, and that's why Mike has them on. Bullshit on that. That's not it now. 
that is flat out not it. And so, because I, I don't know anyone like you <laughs> that <laughs> tra- traveled the world. Um, how many countries have you lived in? Uh, I've lived in six. I've been to seventy odd. And how many are there? A hundred, like hundred, hundred eighty. If you 180. include hundred ninety, if you include all the different territories that ever. Everything else? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you've been to oh, almost half of the countries in the world. You've smelt. I have <laughs> no idea what that's like. And I want to know. But then you 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 ran into some GI problems, gastrointestinal problems. You took that suffering and you went on a mission. And you created a product that I ended up, I don't know how many years later. How many iterations have you been through Athletic Greens? 50. 51st is coming coming down the pipeline. Don't change it much now. No, no, no. Making it better. Has yeah. to make it better. Yeah, okay, good. Okay, so so that's my fear-based approach, right? So I've ne- I haven't smelt that many countries. I've been fortunate enough to be – my son is nine and he's been to over nine countries. And I feel like, yeah, I'm doing it. But then I hear you say, like, what you've done, it's like, holy mackerel. So favorite country, what is it? Like, what are the, what, what are the things that come to mind? And I know I – don't, I don't know if you want to say where you live now, but um, – yeah, I don't know if you want to say where you live now, but sure. what a beautiful countryside that I'm waiting to get to. Yes. Well, I, I'm, I've lived half, at least half the year uh, since 2011 in Colombia, and I love Colombia for the people, for the warmth and energy and vibrance of the people. I'm a people person. If I walk up to someone and just give a little bit of myself with warmth and, hey, man, how you doing? What have you been up to? I get warmth straight back. It's it's awesome. I don't, and There are some... Some areas of the world where it might take you a good five or ten minutes to try to get a bit of warmth back. I, I like this environment. So I, I love the people here. And from a sort of a social element, I mean, I don't know if you'd sort of want, you know, no one's going to say, yeah, I, I would get a group of 100 Colombians to build a crazy train and get it to run to the, <laughs> to the sick. Yeah, we're going to Germany. Yeah, we're going to Germany, right? <laughs> but if you said, I want to have a party where everyone's happy, and everyone's dancing, irrespective of if they think they're a good dancer or not, they're just dancing for the expression of joy and they to share that experience with other people. Yeah, you, you'd fill it with Colombians. And I love that. I love that you've uprooted from your traditional ways of New Zealand and you've gone to a country that fits you. And my producer, Trevor Baru, just came back from Colombia and he said, I can't tell you how much your family's going to love it down here. Yeah, it's a, it's a great spot, man. And people are very warm and friendly. Look, Kiwis are very warm and friendly as well. And I think that in New Zealand, though, we tend to be very reserved. And most guys, if they talk about their feelings, it's I feel cold, I feel hungry, I feel tired. And here, everyone wears <laughs> their heart, heart on their sleeves, which can take a bit of getting used to. But it's just sort of this other way of expressing the human experience. And it's not better. I, my parents taught us very early and showed us very early you can't compare a culture to another culture. It's an apple to an orange. There is no better. It's just one's an apple, one's an orange. And you might find that you prefer an apple or an orange, but it, it, there's no better. They're all valid. They all deserve to be there, and they all have their have their merits. But I just find myself attracted very much to, to this culture. And it's interesting. All the Kiwis and Aussies that come through here just love the place. And I think mm. it's because they're free to express themselves without sort of feeling the crazy need to, to, you know, do a bar crawl first. Oh, that's interesting. So, so you're saying that like alcohol lubricates emotions, which it does. Well, it and, does. Yeah, it does. And but you're, <laughs> you're saying that uh, that's not necessary 
in the environment that you're in? No, not at all. They, I mean, they crazy Latinos, man. They, they wear the heart on the sleeve. They're full of life, full of, full of passion, and, and a lot of fun to interface with. So that's what pulled me here. That's what kept me here, really. And quality of life plus, plus that element. But I love Japan. I love New Zealand. I love Australia. I love the U.S. and and I love Colombia, and I think those those places are places I could I could live uh, again. But I mean, I love so many places in the world. Mm. Uh, Mike, it's it's pretty hard to mm. to say to say a favorite. If you're going to go traveling right now, my top of the list would probably be Turkey. Turkey in summer. Mm. Finding mastery is brought to you by Apollo Neuro. I am really excited about what Apollo Neuro is building. If you haven't had the chance yet. I highly recommend that you go check out the conversation I had with their co-founder, Dr. David Rabin, on the podcast. It is well worth a listen. Unlike traditional wearables that simply track your biometrics, Apollo is doing it totally differently. Apollo Neuro is designed to actively improve your health by enhancing sleep, relaxation, energy, and focus. So how's it work? Developed by neuroscientists and physicians, Apollo delivers these soothing little vibrations they call them Apollo vibes, that are like music your body can feel. More rapid vibrations help to improve your energy and focus, while the slower vibrations help to promote rest and digest in your body. And the best part for me, they're grounded in good science. Apollo has been tested by thousands of users in clinical and real-world trials. I would love for you to give it a go. It's making a meaningful difference in my life. And because you're listening to this podcast, you can receive an exclusive 15% off an Apollo wearable. Just head to apolloneuro.com slash findingmastery and use the code findingmastery at checkout. This is an exclusive offer. It's only for us here at Finding Mastery. So be sure to use the code at checkout. Again, that's Apollo, A-P-O-L-L-O, Apollo neuro n-e-u-r-o apollo neuro.com slash finding mastery or use the code finding mastery at checkout for 15 percent off your purchase finding mastery is brought to you by cured if there's one big rock to get into the container when it comes to dialing in your wellness one thing that stands out among the rest is sleep whether it be improved physical health mental health performance creativity quality sleep is the gift that keeps on giving. And I'm sure many of you are familiar with the science that supports that. And if you're struggling with sleep or you just want to dial it in a bit further, Cured's Zen formula just might be a great solution for you. Zen is a nootropic that is formulated by Cure's very own in-house clinical herbalist. And it contains a blend of reishi mushroom, ashwagandha, chamomile, passionflower, and broad-spectrum CBD. That is a powerhouse combination. Zen could be a great little addition to your bedtime routine. They recommend taking it about 45 minutes before hopping into bed to let the reishi and ashwagandha and chamomile and the CBD do their thing. So right now, because you're listening to this podcast, Cured is hooking you up with a great offer. You can try Zen for 20% off when you visit curednutrition.com slash findingmastery. And you use the code Finding Mastery at checkout. That's cured, C U R E D, cured, nutrition.com slash Finding Mastery. And enter the code Finding Mastery at checkout 
to save 20%. Okay, let's let's jump into Athletic Greens. Why do I love it so much? I, and it, it sounds like you're paying me to say that, but you're sponsoring the podcast because I love it. Not not yes. the other drink. So, but why do I love it so much? I've been part of food supplement um, programming. So I've got this. Let me pull back and to, to really anchor um, a larger thought to get to the smaller thought is when I think of mindset, I think that there's at least um, or when I think of high performance psychology, there's three elements. There is mind, there's brain, and there's nutrition. Those three Venn on a Venn diagram are really what I think about for high performance psychology. And I don't think that that's, um, there's no model that I've read. That's just intuitively what makes sense. That being said, nutrition has been a big part of uh, my exploratory model of trying to better up. So why, why do I love your product so much? I think, I mean, one, I love that you love it. Thank you so much. I think you demand pretty high standards of yourself. Mm -hmm. And if you're going to embrace something, let alone uh, align yourself in any way with something, you expect those same standards. And let's be honest, you grilled me on our, on our earliest call, right? Mm -hmm. And you did. And it was awesome about basically the science and the mechanics of how the whole product was put together, the element of no compromises, which is what I think we've done really, really well. And to you know, make sure that your experience directly with the product was matched by what was fundamentally behind the product. And I think the reason why you like it is because it's an over-engineered product that most people who had had successful products in retail or online told me would never work because of the margin. But I stuck with it because I believed that, it, that if it worked for me, it would work for other people. And, and that over time, from that sort of continual use basis, we could end up with a with a great business, and that's what happened. So I think that's what it is, man. It was the combination of efficacy, belief in the no compromises, and understanding of what went into it. And so, how what is your GI track like now? So, <laughs> as a young so, kid, it was, it was <laughs> uh-huh. not good. So my I I was not a healthy kid. I had many many stints of antibiotics growing up, and the general the general doctor sort of paradigm at the time was, yep, has an infection, let's dose them up. And that and that's fine. Like I can't fault the doctors back back in that area for, for what happened. But I think what this many, many years of that, plus uh, the Jardia, plus the hepatitis, just led to this sort of not particularly robust uh, GI tract and not particularly robust immune system. And when I had, from then on, really significant health challenges and one was a intense period of insomnia, which was coupled plus overtraining plus way too much stimulant use just led to this meltdown where I just started getting two or three hours sleep a night and was not a healthy young man uh, for an extended period of time. I think that was the first challenge. And then a little bit later, when sort of the sort of in that catalyst area for ultimately forming athletic greens, I just had years and years and years of where I'd, I'd kind of looked the healthy part. I was playing good level of rugby in, in Sydney at the time and, and looked at the business. But you know, I did four courses of antibiotics that year for upper respiratory tract infections. And that's, that's not good. And I got to the point where I went on a beach holiday with a bunch of mates and got off the plane and was promptly sick. They were all jokingly calling me the black lung and went off to the beach. And I sat at home and coughed and just felt miserable. Uh, and I think that that's it. And it was that process of being dissatisfied 
like really dissatisfied with the whole health element. And by then I was going to the toilet 15, 20 times a day. And I, I'd been to a lot of doctors and I kept going to a lot of doctors to try to figure out what's really going on. And it was that process, man, of sort of just steadily disintegrating GI uh, and general immunity that, that led to big clinic experience, a lot of blood testing, a lot of supplements customized to my biochemistry, dissatisfaction with that, and then a pursuit of something better. And the pursuit of something better led to the creation of Athletic Greens, uh, the raising of money, the conscripting of experts, and the formulation of a super product that was over-engineered because it solved my problem of getting it all in one place naturally and led to you know, the lunacy of going to the US and trying to kick this business off. Mm, that's why I love it. Flat out, that's why I love it because it came from a real place and the solution was organic, right? Like it, you weren't, you didn't start off like, God, I'll tell you what, I'm going to get annoyed for a minute. I see right now in the world of the, the lenses that I see uh, my, my businesses through, like, which is the psychology of, of humans, right? And it's so there's a upspring right now of mindset and psychology and high performance, this, that, and the other and mindfulness. And, and I'm, I'm going, oh my God, what, what is happening? And I have to really temper myself to slow down, to take a breath, to say, it's all right. You know, like this is, this is a good thing. And the stuff that looks flimsy and doesn't look like there's a whole lot behind it, but people are using buzzwords and catchwords to build on the back of businesses. It's okay. You know, like there'll be a swelling and there'll be a retraction and it'll be fine. And it'll help, it'll help everybody that's on the, playing the long game in this space. And then so I think about your company in a very similar way after what you just shared is that there are lots of com people, I should say, that just start companies by saying, you know what, supplements, whole food supplements, it's a buzz. Let's get some, I don't even know what you get, and let's spray some vitamins in the bottle. And then, you know, 90% of them evaporate by the time a person opens it or they get to the, you know, for, to the, even to the store. And, and, and let's call it whatever claims that we can because it's a wild, wild west of of, of claims in, in food. So that's why I love it. I, that, that's, that's gotta be it. Not everyone, but many people in the supplement industry are, are chasing the fast buck man. And, and a shark is, I'm very, very proud that even when times got very tough and they did get financially very, very, very tough as in, you know, look in the sofa for change to go down the road to the Cuban store. when I was living in Miami to buy rice and beans for a few days. And, I even took a screenshot of my bank accounts at the time just to say, remember this feeling. And I had a, you know, well over a million dollars of investor money invested in the development and the, and the first batches of this product. And I was sitting there in a pretty dark place and I could have compromised and I did not. And I am very, very happy that I, that I never did. And that we, we continued to sort of push forward with, with the product I most believed in of the opportunities I had in front of me. It was what I just genuinely most believed in. And over the years, I think that that, that belief and no compromises element and just the fun one belief that, look, I, I will make something I am extremely proud of that gives me a one-a-day a one a effective sort of super supplement, if you will, which is exactly what I wanted when, when we built it. And I, my parents take it. I'm very proud to, to stand behind it, to sing its claims, to have anyone look at it, scratch it, touch it, you know, any way, any way, any way you skin it. I think I, I've built something that is genuinely different and walks the walk. Unfortunately, 
And there are some great other supplements out there and some great companies. Unfortunately, I think in the industry, many people are not on that uh, particular, uh, they're not on the high efficacy path, man, or the high quality path. But but you are, I am, we are. <laughs> yeah, so let's roll. Let's go. Okay, let's, let's, let's just go, man. Let's, yeah, let's let's them, go. They, they can go do their shit and they'll be doing the same stupid shit in 10 years and we would have moved, you know. Awesome. Onwards and upwards. Uh, yeah. Awesome, awesome. All right, so all right, let's go. Let's go into that moment where you had rice and beans, um, you know, as the, your option, and nothing wrong with rice and beans. My wife is Cuban, and I love rice and beans, and Ooh. you know, but it's a good, it's a good choice, and but it's like it's a two, it's a two dollar choice. It, it the, is. A, that's right. It's it's not an expensive choice. Okay, so so what did you do there? Walk walk me through like how you go from a million in. A dark place, and when you say dark, I'm assuming it is like, uh oh, what am I going to do? I'm borrowed, I'm leveraged. Should I compromise and cheapen the product to have a higher margin, or whatever you're going to do to kind of get out of the hole? Like, walk me through that. That that's a good learner right there. Because hey, I, I am pretty good face to face with people, and if you genuinely look to solve people's problems, and you genuinely care, and you listen. Uh, you can normally help help someone with their problems, and that's what I think the inherent part of selling is. So I'm a pretty good face-to-face salesperson if I believe what I'm offering matches the person. If not, I've always been super honest to say I don't think this is the right match for you. So when we built Athletic Greens and the team got together and all the bantering went forth between naturopaths and doctors and medical researchers, et cetera, to sort of determine, okay, how are we going to make this? And then we had to go through the burden of figuring out how to actually make it both mix and taste good without compromising, which was serious pain in the ass. Then we, I said, okay, you know, I'm an athletic guy and this is kind of a greens-based formula, so I'm just going to call it athletic greens and we'll do a whole bunch of batches and just ship it off to the US and I'll go there. And because I love people and I'm good face-to-face, uh, I'll figure out this internet stuff, no trouble, and we'll be off to the races with this with this business and I was very, very, very stupid in terms of my assumption of what was going to be required to make it happen. And my, my financial partner just ran out of both pay, well, first money and then patience. And I can't fault him. He's still my friend. And, uh, you know, that relationship is, is very strong now, but I just burnt through the cash we had to try to get this off the ground. I had a lot of inventory sitting there, plus the various invested costs to have figured out how to make it in the first place, and no cash in the bank. So I just, and he sort of said, hey man, I'm, I'm not gonna put any more cash into this. And it was, at the time, I, you know, I had the previous business I've been part of, part of sort of it disappeared, I faced bankruptcy, I'd lost a whole bunch of friends and family's money in a form of business venture, and it was all happening at the same time, and I was feeling pretty sorry for myself, and not particularly empowered and I had all this inventory and I sat there thinking okay uh, what am I going to do and I had a couple of days of literally eating rice and beans before I just stopped and went I'm 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 smart than this I can I can figure out a way to to move on to the other side and I also sat down and my sisters who have both had their dabbles with with depression in their lives had had sat me down a few months earlier and said, said said to me look no one else is gonna gonna recognize this because uh, they're just gonna see Chris the way you are and think Chris is like that but you're not the bubbly chatty friendly Chris that you normally are and we think you're depressed and we think you should go see someone so see someone I did 
And she probably said, what do you want? I think she thought I was on a prescription hunt. And I was like, no, 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 I'm good. And that began the whole element of focus on happiness, which you know is still on our, our label, sort of this 100% focus on happiness approach. And although it's probably going to come off now, um, you know, as we try to articulate more clearly what our product actually does, but the big, it really built this focus on, on happiness approach. And I took a screenshot of that feeling of, of running out of cash and just said, remember this feeling and put it in a, a you know, Gmail file that said good for stories. And it is quite good for stories. But I, I very quickly stepped out of that. And I stepped out of it just by really focusing on all the different things that made me happy and reading a lot about what made other people happy. And a lot of it was uh, the physiological element. So I, I had to go for a walk in the sun every day. I had to swim or I immerse myself in cold water every day. I had to do four minutes of intervals every day. Uh, I had to dance salsa four nights a week. I just started doing these things to try to pull myself physiologically out of kind of feeling sorry for myself and just stuck to my guns on athletic greens. And what, what I realized by then without money is I have a product that when I put it in front of very, very, very smart doctors, health and fitness influencers, Timothy Ferris, who grilled me like unbelievably on, on this product when he, when he first tried it. And they all said, yeah, we, we love it, man. This is, this is something pretty cool. And, and they said that we will tell our audience about your product when you're ready. And it took me nine months and many, many iterations to try to get a, a landing page that would actually convert this traffic. And in the middle of that time, I, I sat there and realized I shouldn't have called it Athletic Greens because it's really not just for athletes. It's for people who want to be better and, and, and sort of want sort of the best that's out there of the shotgun approach. Like the next approach, of course, is customized to your blood chemistry and buying everything individually. And I've actually done that. Um, it, you know, that's sort of the the holy grail, if you will. But of a shotgun approach, like one size fits nearly everyone. This is what it's designed for. And but I thought, well, athletic greens. Everyone's comparing us to the, you know, powdered wheatgrass, and we're considerably more expensive, but we're a considerably different cost structure behind the product. I should change the name. And it was then I I dropped an email to Timothy Ferris, um, who I met in Argentina well before he was ever popular and I'd never done anything business with him at all said hey man you're pretty smart at this stuff I think I've named this product wrong our landing page will be ready in like two months and I I think I need to rename it what are your thoughts and he said don't change the name I just put it in the four-hour body and just went to print so <laughs> <laughs> that was the first I heard about it yeah. and and for good or bad maybe for bad but for good or bad I said okay I'll stick with this name and one other guy who tried the product was the guy doing our landing page, and he gave us a couple of iterations. And literally, Tim's book launched, The 4-Hour Body, and he mentioned us in there. We started to get a little bit more traffic. Then the new page came on board, and it was a five-fold conversion because someone finally who understood actually a little bit about selling online uh, had, had built a very clean, easy-to-use, understandable website, not the horrendous thing I'd, I'd formerly had. And then I just went to the people who believed in the product and said, okay, please now tell your audiences and boof, off to the races. And from there, just grew, 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 grew. But that sort of dark moment of no cash, feeling sorry for myself, feeling at the time better, but now I completely understand uh, what happened with my financial partner. Like I, I see his side of the story very clearly and actually think he was very patient with me. And I understand you know, his frustration. 
and dealing with a little bit of depression and, and sort of just sitting there going, I'm going to focus on the one thing today that I believe in. And what I believed in was that I had built a very high efficacy product that I was delighted to have my name to. And I was going to build a business based around what I wanted in terms of marketing that product. And there were going to be no exceptions. And the only time in the last, that was 2010, the only time in the last sort of seven years where I've had really, really tough moments is the year and a half that I chased, I kind of left that purity of, of mission, didn't mess with the product, but we started getting a lot more aggressive with our marketing, you know, doing, trying free trials, trying this other stuff. And it just didn't deliver the customer experience that, that we wanted to. And we ended up reining all of that back and just said, you know what, we're a premium product. We don't need to apologize for being a premium product. In fact, we're consistently iterating to keep it like more and more premium over time. And we're just going to unapologetically make the best thing that we can make and deliver that brand message. And I think that's what Adam has done so well is just clearly and consistently delivered on that brand promise, man. So that's the march from sofa, depression, I need to focus on my happiness. I'm not going to, to drugs. Um, I need to focus on this business and, and just doing that day in, day out, day in, day out until you know, we got it up and running. And I had about two and a half, three years where I was interfacing with a computer most days, every day. That is not my strength. And if I look at where I did well was the building of this product, which was relationship driven because very, very smart people helped me build this product. And then putting in front of very smart people and being genuine with my answers, like telling the truth. Like, do I use some financial, you know, not financial, nutritional whiz kid, uh, no, but did I do thousands of hours of reading uh, when we built this? Yes. Do I still do all that reading on the nutrition side? No, I focus more on the leadership side over time. Do we still get very smart people who have PhDs and medical backgrounds to review this product? Yes. And do I listen to their suggestions? Absolutely. But I think, man, just that constant focus and an iteration on, okay, how can I best serve our customers? How can I best serve my team? How can I grow my team? If I look at you know, really what did I do best there? It was the interpersonal relationships and those were the strengths and the weighting that has given us nearly all the success. So when you asked me at the very beginning, are you a neurotropics guy and I have some interest there? Are you a nutrition guy and I have very strong interest in, in history there? Are you a business guy? Where is your secret source? Uh, mate, my secret source is in that human relationship and that is my strength. So now most of my time is is invested in providing an environment for really world-class people to both stimulate, be stimulated and grow. And it's, it's empower them, it's challenge them, and then it's try to help them make the jump up in their own psychology because at the end of the day, it all comes down to psychology. And Adam is a guy, if you look at when he started to now, is, is a phenomenally smart guy. He started phenomenally smart. The intelligence hasn't changed, but the capability over time and the self-belief is just so awesome that he now runs this business far better than I ever did in that mm. CEO role. And from, the trust yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. Mm. and from that trust element, I trust him to run my baby better than I ever could. And I really mean that. Okay. So I, I, I've got, I want to tell you a story about Adam, but then, I, I, but I want to, I want to share something that came to mind is that as you were describing how you've done what you've done, I, I think that so many of us, we want to live an extraordinary life and we're and so many people listen to what you've done and say god 
I'd work that hard if I just knew what to do. If I had Jardia, if I had suffering, if I could identify my, my, my thing, that I would work, that I would want to be that inspired and work that hard. And I'm okay with the down $2 in my pocket, like the downturn, because I know that if I could just, you know, do the work, it'd be great. Okay. I think people say that. I think they don't really realize many people what it's like to be so down and so beat up emotionally or mentally or and or financially, physically, which you've had all of them. I don't say that despairingly. I, I, I mean that, like I embrace that for you. And this is my throughput is that I think what you've done is that you've had the courage to be real with your emotions. And so what keeps, I see many of us stuck is we say, nah, I'm good. Nah, I'm good. Nah, it's good. Nah, figured out. Instead of saying, oh, did I cause that pain for you? Oh my God. Okay. Oh, look at that pain I'm feeling about not being good enough or um, not knowing what to do. The anxiety of not knowing if it's going to work out. Oh, look at that. That's real. And then, so tell me if I'm off now, you had the courage to feel all of those relationships built from your mom's and your dad's model of integrity, match your words and your walk with your mom being about relationships. You put those two things together. You had the courage to feel which is a prerequisite for a relationship-based approach in life. And then you've got a workhorse to be able to um, come through that courage or that vulnerability through courage and then put the work in. So that, that to me, when I'm thinking of Chris, that's how I'm thinking that you've done what you've done is that, that courage to be vulnerable, to be open and true with your emotions. And if I'm wrong, I want to keep going for a second. If I'm wrong, tell me. But I want to encourage folks that are listening to get real with the emotions. There's no, there's no such thing really as mental pain. It's emotional pain, right? The thoughts lead to the emotions or thoughts lead to emotions. So, so it's the emotion, it's dealing with the emotions, an incredible signal about how we can structure or change or embrace particular thoughts and thoughts patterns. And so I, I hope, I hope that you've just stimulated and uh, reawakened in a very cool way for me the importance of that aliveness that comes with emotions. And um, I, for early in my life, I was not good at it. And it took me somewhere, I think there was a transition in early college for me to, from a, a relationship that I was building with my now wife to say, uh oh, like uh, there's way more that I need to go, f- much farther I need to go. And so, okay, enough about me. Back to you. Like, I, is that is that close? Is that close, well, man, Chris? Th- that's a huge compliment, man. And thank you Dope. very much. Yeah, thank you very much. Also, I think you are a master of your craft and and very astute. So, I think the courage to be vulnerable and and then face it and just go for it anyway was a huge part of it. But I think the courage to be vulnerable with smart people who've joined onto my vision and Adam's amazing, but he's not the only guy, man. There's like Sam, Crystal, Brian, they like, there's, there's a phenomenally group of people who, who have sort of aligned their vision, their star with me for a while. And I think being vulnerable with them has led hugely to the trust element. There you go. Back and, to trust. Yeah, there you go. There you yeah, go. There you go. Yeah. No, there you no, go. I'm, I'm, I'm being serious. And mm-hmm. when I coach some of these guys on, 
okay, now they've got a couple of A players reporting to them. How do you interface with a true A player? And I said, you don't have all the answers, man. And they have to realize that you don't have all the answers. But what they must believe profoundly is that you are willing to do whatever it takes to work with them to help them get the result that they're striving for. And that's, that's sort of the fundamental basis. So I think the willingness to be vulnerable, I wasn't comfortable, man, in Miami. I was not comfortable in interfacing with my computer for many years. I, I grew very frustrated because it was so outside my core competency. If I look back at it now, I, I should have really invested uh, far more of my time on the relationship elements because, I mean, for a long time, we were a very small skeleton team and then it, and then it began to grow. But, but I think the trust trust is if I share my vulnerability with you and I back it by genuinely caring and I back it by just consistently delivering on my personal brand promise, which is you can trust me. I trust you. I want to empower you. I, I want to help you achieve what you want. Let's, let's do this together. That's been my secret source, man. So very, very astute of you to, to pick it up. See, I was thinking about your vulnerability to be open with your sisters and then with your therapist and then with other people. Like, but it, it started way back with mom and dad, you know, like them fostering that. And look, you're also in Colombia where emotions are um, free spirited. Popular. Yeah. And so <laughs> like you're there for a reason, mate. Okay. Awesome. All right. So where does, where does Athletic Greens go next? Uh, man, the there's a, a whole new look packaging and a sort of a a rearticulation of, of sort of what's the real idea behind how this product is set up and and partnerships with with people who you know we've gotten to the point now where we're not a massive business but we're we're a strong business and we have a very strong brand message and philosophy which is sort of that that self improvement um, you know here's this sort of complete sort of, you know, the catchphrase is the most complete supplement sort of for a better you. We we tend to attract the I want to be a better version of myself type of people and just continue to share that message, man. Um, have more people work with us to, to sing our praises. So really fostering, again, the relationship side and the brand alignment side. And I think, you know, the, I, look at, I look at how amazing it's been to have the support of someone like yourself um, the same, say, with someone like Timothy Ferris. And I think what we're now, you know, I think the, the relationship with Foster with you is, is literally a turning point for our business. It, it marks a, a turning point in our business as we're now realizing, you know, we, we don't actually need to do this alone and just buy heaps of media on Facebook. What we'd rather do is find people who believe in what we are all about and are willing to align their brand with us. And that's, that's the next evolution for us as we grow as a business. Brilliant. I love being part of what you guys are doing. And I've shared with Adam, I think I shared with you that I've got some ideas for um, some supplement. I need, either need guidance or partnership with some um, some other uh, products that I'd like to see. And I don't, I'm not suggesting that you fold them into AG, Athletic Greens, but um, some guidance of some stuff that I'd like to get going with. So I'm stoked to be part of your community, brother. So thank you. Thank you, man. We're and, stoked to have you and we would love to be part of that. Oh you. yeah. Good. Okay, good. All right. So then let's, let's, um, we'll, we'll follow up on that later, but let's talk about where people can find you. Athleticgreens.com forward slash finding mastery. I say it so often, <laughs> like I love it. So that, that's one place that people can go. Where else can they learn about you? And you might be off the radar, but I don't, I don't know that for sure. But like, where can people find you? So first of all, man, when I first heard your, I'd listened to a few of your podcasts in the past and I listened to you on Tim Ferriss's podcast and 
and like that's how I came back to to your podcast. I thought mm-hmm. this guy is very genuine, um, very different. By the way, when you're sitting in the seat speaking to you, um, it's like you are an absolute master of that that rapport and, and listening craft, man. The, Thank you. But when I when I heard your your read of that of that podcast sponsored spot, I got goosebumps because. It was real. It was what you thought, what you felt, and your experience. There were no words from us, and I got goosebumps. And I messaged Adam. I said, "Holy shit, man! Like, how fucking good!" Sorry for the swearing. How good was was Mike's read of that? And I got goosebumps right now. Goosebumps make me happy, by the way. And I, uh, you know, I was just, I was just so stoked. I was so happy, and it really made my day. And I, I've been so proud of like just that whole element ever since. So, mate, I'm not that much on social media I, I used to be and then over the years it sort of became five or ten minutes a day and now it's less than two minutes a day but athletic greens is athletic greens can be found on facebook or instagram at athletic greens uh, and you know we have a pretty awesome customer service team who are a customer happiness team who you can interface with ask any questions harass um you know do, do whatever you want they, they, are, they are hired and cultivated and encouraged to be as warm and friendly as possible that's what's up so for folks that are still trying to sort out if athletic greens is for them, just go try it, you know, like yeah. really go try it. And then, you know, I, I, I want to maybe have a follow-up that go deep in the weeds on the actual product choices that you've made. Maybe we can do that some other time. I wanted this to be a, a conversation about you, your insights, and for people to have a takeaway, like if they want to start something from ground zero that is authentically aligned with their vision and mission in life, that that's what you've captured. And so that's what I wanted this conversation to be like. And maybe, you know, and maybe, maybe I do it with one of your scientists, you know, and we just go into that. We just nerd out in the weeds about choices that they're making. And, and uh, so people can fill that quest as well for themselves. So Chris, thank you, brother. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me, man. Thank you. Okay. Cheers. 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 Big guy. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for diving into another episode of Finding Mastery with us. Our team loves creating this podcast and sharing these conversations with you. We really appreciate you being part of this community. And if you're enjoying the show, the easiest no-cost way to support is to hit the subscribe or follow button wherever you're listening. Also, if you haven't already, please consider dropping us a review on Apple or Spotify. We are incredibly grateful for the support and feedback. If you're looking for even more insights, we have a newsletter we send out every Wednesday punch over to findingmastery.com slash newsletter to sign up. This show wouldn't be possible without our sponsors and we take our recommendations seriously. And the team is very thoughtful about making sure we love and endorse every product you hear on the show. If you want to check out any of our sponsor offers you heard about in this episode, you can find those deals at findingmastery.com slash sponsors. And remember, no one does it alone. The door here at Finding Mastery is always open to those looking to explore the edges and the reaches of their potential so that they can help others do the same. So join our community, share your favorite episode with a friend, and let us know how we can continue to show up for you. Lastly, as a quick reminder, information in this podcast and from any material on the Finding Mastery website and social channels 
is for information purposes only. If you're looking for meaningful support, which we all need, one of the best things you can do is to talk to a licensed professional. So seek assistance from your healthcare providers. Again, a sincere thank you for listening. Until next episode, be well, think well, and keep exploring.